Uh, we're reading Leviticus 9, starting in verse 18, and that's on page 87, if you've got the physical Bible copy that's on the table. Then he killed the ox and the ram, the sacrifice of peace offerings to the people, and Aaron's sons handed him the blood, and he threw it against the sides of the altar. But the fat pieces of the ox and the ram, the fat tail and that which covers the entrails and the kidneys and the long lobe of the liver, they put the fat pieces on the breasts and he burnt the fat pieces on the altar. But the breasts and the right thigh, Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord as Moses commanded. Then Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. Uh, David, thanks for the really epic reading. I mean, what a reading to be having uh, during Tuesday lunchtime. <laughs> Let me just switch the uh, sharing screen off. Brilliant. Well, we have been going through our series in the book of Hebrews. And the big thing to see in Hebrews that we've been seeing is that our confession, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is enough, enough to last the journey. Because implicit in a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord is that Jesus, he goes through a journey from heaven down to earth and back up again. And that journey that helps us. And so for the next three weeks, we are in the book of Leviticus. And the last week, we had a question from, I think, Mark. It was, said, thanks very much for the talk. But why are we back in the Old Testament? And here are two reasons. Uh, one, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Well, they are foundational for the Old Testament and also for the New Testament. And all of the Bible, um, the Old Testament, New Testament, they built on the first five books of the Bible. But in particular, the book of Hebrews, it builds on what we will see in Leviticus. So for the next three weeks, we are building the backdrop as to why Jean, Jesus had to, to go through that journey. And my prayer is that we will have a more vivid understanding of the backdrop. And so when we come to Hebrews, we gain a deeper appreciation for the person of Jesus. At Genesis, we saw our plight is death. We are dead. And in Exodus, we saw we are rescued for life with God. And last week, if you were here, you remember we ended on a cliffhanger. The tabernacle, God's house, was built. God's glory fills the tabernacle. But Moses is stuck. Uh, he is the staff of God in one hand. He is the friend of God. Yet even Moses, he can't enter in to God's house. And so the big dilemma on the table today is the issue of access. How does one enter God's house? How does one access the divine? Well, my guess is society has a variety of views when it comes to accessing the divine. Uh, it's not uh, uncommon to hear, you know, I believe in a higher power. Sometimes I speak to the one up there or I meditate, I look inwards and that's like touching the divine. Perhaps you've heard, you know, put on some worship songs and you immerse yourself in the music and you feel closer to God. But here's the issue presented by the book of Exodus. Access to God is hard. It's a lot harder than you think. 
See, even Moses with the staff of God in one hand couldn't even enter. Why would you think someone with a microphone and a guitar could fare any better? You see, we're in a hugely significant moment in the Bible, uh, the biblical narrative. For the first time since the fall, a God is dwelling in the midst of the people. A great cloud is among us, but we are stuck outside. And something has to happen before we can enter in. And something does happen because a voice is heard. Go to Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. Let me read it for you. And the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, the Lord called Moses, spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, you see, what has to first happen is God has to speak. Uh, three ways that God is described speaking, calling, speaking, spoke, he spoke to Moses. And, and so the impasse, being able to enter in, is overcome by God speaking. And here's a really simple point, but really significant, that God cannot be approached by how we think, what we think, or what we feel. God must reveal how we are to approach him. He must tell us how. And so already we need to be suspicious about the look inside of myself and meditate approach or feeling the beat of a good worship song. It must be according to what he says. And the outcome of listening to God is that it works. I go to chapter 9, verse 22, chapter 9, verse 22. The passage that David read first, chapter 9, 22. Then Aaron lifted up his hand to the people and blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering, and the burnt offering, and the peace offerings. And listen, and Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Now we need to pause and sense the drama of what's happening here. Moses and Aaron, they enter into the tent of meeting. Two human beings actually given access into God's house. Humanity cast out of God's presence, but now they finally found a way in. But that's not only it. I looked at verse 23 as well. The glory of the Lord appeared to all people. Uh, the people, even the people, are experiencing a theophany, a clear view of God. Uh, we cannot underestimate the significance of what is happening here. Pop concerts. Uh, imagine uh, the fans going wild when they finally see the Korean band BTS appearing on stage in the flesh. Or fans fainting when they enter into the meet and greet room with Justin Bieber. And so at risk of sounding a bit flippant, uh, it's kind of what's happening here. Uh, finally, there's an up-close encounter as Moses and, enter, uh, Moses and Aaron enter in, but not with a pop idol, but with a holy God. And so the point to realize is there's something that's happened between chapter 1 and chapter 9. Uh, it works in chapter 9, there's access. And so what has God said in chapters 1 to 9? And here's the overall structure of uh, chapters 1 to 9. Uh, chapters 1 to 7, if you see there on the handout, um, is about sacrifices. And there are five sacrifices uh, that we'll look in detail. 
Uh, chapter 8 is about the consecration of the priest, and chapter 9 is the initiation of the tabernacle system. Firstly, sacrifice. And there are five types of sacrifices into two categories. You have the core package and the foundational package, okay? The core package uh, is the burnt grain and peace offerings, and the foundational package is sin and guilt. And it's a standard order that these um, sacrifices are done. If you go to chapter 9, verse 15, from 9, verse 15, And he, that's Aaron, presented the people's offering and took the goat of the sin offering that was for the people and killed it and offered it as a sin offering like the first one. He presented the burnt offering and offered it according to the rule. And he presented the grain offering, took a handful of it, burned it on the altar besides the burnt offering of the morning. Then he killed an ox and the ram and sacrificed of peace offerings for the people. Uh, do you notice the order? Uh, you have sin and guilt in the first phase, burnt and grain, and then a peace offering. And you might ask why. Uh, why is it in this order? Well, the foundation package, foundational package of sin and guilt is for the cleansing of sin, uh, the expiation, the, the removal of sin from the people. And that must first happen before anyone were to draw close to God. After that, you have the burnt and grain offering. Uh, both of them, they go together. And the way to think about it is an act of consecration. Uh, the burnt offering is the, the core sacrifice. After the removal of sin, it is to consecrate the offering to signify that you are holy. Lastly, uh, the peace offering, uh, also known as the fellowship offering, the animal bread, part of it is offered to the Lord and part of it is consumed by the people. Uh, signifying the high point of the sacrifices, a meal with God, enjoying fellowship with him. So sin and guilt, consecration, burnt and grain, sorry, sin and guilt, expiation, burnt and grain, consecration, and peace for fellowship. Uh, there's a certain logic to the order, creating access to God. Well, next, there are different rites that take place. Uh, six rites that end with a blessing. I've given you the first one, which is the presentation rite, and the last one, which is the blessing. And uh, maybe let's go, in, go into groups, um, or yeah, maybe in groups as well on the call. Uh, try to re um, order the, the rites in the right sort of order. Uh, if you need a reference, go, go to chapter 1, verse 3 to 9, and try to order the, the rites in the right sort of order. Uh, you have three minutes. And after three minutes, I'll jump back up to see what we what we've got. What do we think? Burnt offering first, burning. Burning first. I think so. Let me try and use a pen here. So, one. <laughs> oh, so what are we ordering it in? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I think we're meant to put... Oh, arrange the rights in order. Okay. Do you mean put blood there? 
Blessings, lots of leaning, building communion, blood spotter. Hand. <coughs> Lay hand. Hand in. Yeah, hand leaning. Hand is first, was it? Yeah. yeah. And then slaughter. You have to slaughter the angle and then I shall bring the blood, blood splashes. Blood splashes. Yeah. Blood splashes. And then. Uh, you are to skin the bundle. Is anything about skin the bundle offering? No. Cut it with pieces. And cleaning, not leaning. <laughs> yes, I think that's right. <laughs> Good pick up. Oh, right. Well, that's not num number one. Then. Then I shall read the pieces on the wood that is that you are to wash the internal organs and legs with water. And the priestess burn all day. So, so burning is lost. Or is it? I think, yeah, but where does the blessing come in then? I think the blessing's at the very end. And then. Burning is second last, then. Sorry, so what's after blood splattering with number three? Um. Uh, let's start again. <laughs> you must preserve. I'm going to jump in there. I can see that online. I see that online. You guys have not gotten very far. And have to think why, uh, what a significance of each right, okay? I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump right in. So the first is the presentation right. Uh, the second is the hand leaning right or the laying of hands on the animal. Uh, thereafter, it is the, the slaughter. After the slaughter is the burning. After burning is communion. And after communion is the blessing. Blood splattering. Oh, sorry. Blood splattering is after the slaughter and, uh, and then burning. Okay. But what, what do they mean? Okay. What do they mean? Uh, presentation. If you see um, the presentation animal, the animal has to be an unblemished animal uh, to the priest. And the significance of the unblemished animal is that it symbolizes a, a moral or a, a blameless life. So only the pure, the one without blemish, can draw near to God. How about hand leaning? Uh, if you, you see, um, the description is that they will lay their hands on the animal. And so it is to identify the animal as you. Uh, the animal is your vicarious substitute as you lean your hands on the animal. Uh, slaughter. Uh, why, why slaughtering the animal? Well, it's recognizing that you have a death to die. That's why the slaughter happens. Okay, how about blood splattering? You might have read in chapter one, there's lots of blood being splattered all around in the altar and the tabernacle. Oh, it's a bit weird, perhaps. Like, why is that happening? And the thing to realize about blood a blood is the opposite of slaughter. So slaughter signifies death, but blood signifies life. And so there are two effects. When the blood touches the altar, it's as if one is being in contact with the divine. But the other thing to know about blood is that blood signifies life. So think of it as a detergent or a soap. Um, when 
The tabernacle is in the midst of the people. Their sin is like pollution wafting up on the tabernacle. And so you've got to clean it. And how do they clean it? It's with blood because blood refers to life and life washes away death. Uh, the next uh, rite is, is burning. Uh, and burning, what happens are two features. So when you burn something, it's a picture of utter consecration. Uh, the fire is purifying the offering. But it's not only consecration, it's also transformation. You see, as the animal, which is you, is your vicarious substitute, the animal is transformed from an animal into smoke. Um, it signifies humanity's return to the Lord as the smoke ascends into heaven. And so it's as if through the animal, people are vicariously entering into God's presence. Uh, next, you have communion. It's about having a meal with God, a life with God in his presence, and the blessing. People are sent away with God's blessing. Well, okay, that's, that's a lot of detail, I guess, to take in. Uh, but maybe you should take a step back. And remember, the question we are asking is, how does one gain access to God? How does one gain access to God? And what we see in Leviticus is that we gain access to sacrifice. Is God-given. The drama of the sacrifice, the extensive procedure, is depicting the opening of the gates of heaven. Uh, it is enact enacting, it's portraying, it's illustrating the smoke going up entering into God's presence. And so sacrifice is all about access. But that's not enough. Not only do we need sacrifice, we also need the personnel, the priest, and much more briefly, um, the priest. And the problem with the, the word priest is that it's quite a loaded term. Now, when we hear the word priest, we immediately think someone in, in robes with a mitre hat and staff in hand, someone who's quite judgmental, a bit stern looking. But maybe the way to think about priests according to Leviticus is to understand them as a set-apart technician. Uh, we've got experts in our fields over here. Uh, we need help with some laws. You go to the legal department. Uh, you need information about liquidity risk. You go to the liquidity risk department. Um, and most of us here would have an expertise. You have architects, you have marketing, you have debt instruments, you have longevity and others. But none of us here are ex have expertise in slaughtering animals or the protocols of the sacrifice. And that is why we need a priest. And because the priest involves being in God's house, they need to be consecrated. So the priests, they go through a process of consecrating themselves, cleansing themselves before they are in God's presence. So let's summarize. You have the animal, which is your vicarious substitute that ascends into heaven. But then you have the priest, set apart, consecrated to be in God's house, the technician to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And so it works. In chapter 9, verse 22, we read that Aaron and Moses, they go into the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord appeared to the people. Sacrifice and priests creates access. Well, admittedly, this all sounds a bit strange. Uh, you might be wondering, why am I listening to blood being splattered in the middle of my working week? And that's understandable because all these are ancient practices. But despite being ancient, I hope we see there's a certain logic to it. It's not just a random collection 
of instructions. But then it starts being relevant when, when we realize that all of us, all of us are obsessed with access. Our workplaces, uh, we are all obsessed with this whole topic of access. You see, we sacrifice much to gain access to influential individuals. The fresh graduates are often enticed by the promise of access to senior management. Uh, the senior management, they bend over backwards to gain access to high potential clients. Uh, we accept the protocols and the practices so that we can gain access to the right individuals. But the irony when it comes to God is we think that access is easy. And we think that he should listen to us when we need help. We think that we always deserve a hearing, but we don't. You see, because access to God is harder than that new intern in your office gaining an audience with the CEO on his first day. You see, humanity is dirty and holy, cast out of God's presence. We ought to be blameless, and we are not. Blood needs to be paid. The only way back is grace, through God opening a way through the sacrificial system and priest. And so this is God's ordained way, and there's no other way of approaching God. Not looking inwards, not through gemstones or oracle cards, not even through your favorite worship songs. Obviously, there's a change in the New Testament. Um, we don't see any of us bringing bulls uh, into the lunchtime talk. But notice that the change is not a modification in practice, but a fulfillment. Uh, let me repeat that again. The change is not a modification, but a fulfillment. Let me read to you Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have a high priest. Notice we still need a priest. Holy, innocent, unstained, consecrated, exalted above the heavens. For he has no need to offer sacrifices daily for his own sins and then for the people, since he did this once for all when he offered himself. See, notice, we still need a sacrifice. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. See, the categories are the same, uh, sacrifice and priest, but with a new high priest, we have Jesus and the new sacrifices, which is himself. So that's what we should be chewing on this lunchtime. I just appreciate the access we have to God in the person of Jesus. And if you have him, I don't look to anywhere else if you want to gain access to God. Well, each week we try to, um, I try to help us see the connections between the Pentateuch and Hebrews. Uh, but again, we are getting ahead of ourselves because there's a disaster that's happening in Leviticus. Uh, because in Leviticus chapter 10, something disastrous happens. Uh, Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron, they offer an author authorized fire before God. What happens? Fire comes out and consumes them. And that's a disaster. What happens if there's disobedience? How close to God can we really go? And there are two dead bodies in the holy place, desecrating the tabernacle. What's the solution? Well, for that, you need to come back next week. Why don't I pray for us? Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that because of him, we have a great high priest and we have him the perfect sacrifice. And thank you that because of him, 
we have full access to you. In Jesus' name, amen.